on episode 47 of Cheeseheads in Chicagoland, Mike and Matt talk about the Packers 10-7 Thursday, 10-3 Thursday night win over the, the Chicago Bears. We're doing this live so I can't edit it. Hey! Cheeseheads in Chicagoland, best podcast about the Green Bay Packers, the place where you can go to learn the score of the game. I'm Mike Fleischman. We are recording my beautiful South Side Estate as the Cats look on. As always, that's Matt Mellomsetter. Hey, hey, man. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Football is real. It's back. It's real. It's back. My blood pressure is elevated already. I've watched three NFL football games that are real this year. Yeah. And my blood pressure is already just like. 200 over 90 or whatever it is a bad blood pressure is welcome to the promised land yes we're back again <laughs> like, you get that feeling you know we're we're five minutes into that packers bears yeah. game and you just get that feeling again of oh yeah it's this here. is yeah this it's is what real. i need i need my bones to hurt yeah you know it's it's you know it's like it's like those days where you've had a long day and you've been working all day and you haven't drank any water and you're like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm going to die. And then you drink a glass of water, and you're like, no, I was just dehydrated. I feel great now. And that's what football was. It just felt like a rejuvenation of my soul deep inside of me. To me, it was like a reminder that, like, my life is pain. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. Football causes me pain and anxiety, and I don't think it should because I love it. <laughs> sure, I think, I think I love the pain and anxiety. Yeah. I think that just gives me life. Um, yeah. Huge win for the Packers uh, Thursday night a year ago now. Uh, they won 10-3 to over the Bears. Been a ton of action since then, but I think we should probably start with a little Packers-Bears. We should start with Packers-Bears for sure. I want to take a look at the drive chart of or the drive summaries of this game. If you like the word punt, you're going to love this segment. It's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful segment. Uh the first three possessions of the game were punts before Chicago got their first field goal. Good chance to talk about the first quarter Packers offense, which looked broken and bad. Yes. Uh, I made a few game time notes as the first quarter was going on. And my first note is Green Bay's offense starts as expected. Zone run followed by a screen pass. Green Bay had two penalties on their first four plays from scrimmage. They went absolutely nowhere on the first drive and had real trouble moving the ball throughout the game in part because the Bears defense was exactly as advertised. Yes, the the Bears defense was as stout as they were last year, you know, they really didn't miss any beats. Chuck Pagano just dialed it up so much this game. We didn't see as many uh, blitzes from Vic Fangio uh, in years past, um, but Chuck Pagano known for his aggressive style really dialed it up at points in this game. This is a game where, in total, the Packers would have 203 receiving yards and only 47 rushing yards, 39 of them belonging to Aaron Jones. Uh, The Bears' defense is multifaceted. You've got got Robertson Harris, who is one of the most underrated run stoppers in the league, Mm -hmm. and he's the kind of guy where, like, if you're big and strong and can get off individual blocks, you're going to feast in this defense. Yeah because there's so many problems on the edge right now between uh, Khalil Mack and Leonard Floyd and uh, Akeem Hicks and all these guys who require attention from everyone Mm -hmm. that guys like Robertson Harris then like look for gaps and can get off blocks. There was a lot of bears in the backfield all game long. Bears get their first field goal on a drive that starts at the Green Bay 36. So, this is the, also the story for the Bears is that their defense is at, as advertised and their offense doesn't exist. Yes, the, the offense for the Bears was atrocious and there's been a lot of arguing on whether it was Matt Nagy or Mitch Trubisky or you know who the blame falls on. I think it's squarely on the, the pair of them. Uh, Matt Nagy did not call it a great game and Mitch Trubisky still um, you know, can't read hooks on a can't read his curls and against cover six you know he's he's year three and he's still struggling struggling to make basic reads this is just a a bears offense which has some of the personnel on the the boundaries on the perimeters in the backfield but just doesn't use it well and uh trubisky does not perform 
there's a ton of personnel on this Bears offense. Yeah. There are three running backs that all look like they could start in a different NFL situation. Yeah. Montgomery, Cohen, and uh, the third Mike guy, Davis. Mike Davis. I knew his name was short. I was going to call him Mike Love, but he's a beach boy. Sure. Uh, yeah, well, if you know, if Mike Love wanted to sing a few tunes for the Bears, yeah. you know, he could do it. He's the mean beach boy. Okay, well, maybe maybe say a few insults. I don't know. Yeah, there was like, you know, Brian Wilson, the tortured artist, beach yep. boy. But then Mike Love was like the, uh, I prefer to get checks, beach boy. All right, my uh, laptop is talking to me again. I love it when they do this. Um, carrying on, though. 16 yards. The yeah. Bears, that's that's what gets the Bears three points is their ability to move the ball 16 yards. And that was that was set up on a punt that saw a Green Bay penalty on a player coming out of bounds, and it was enforced at the Green Bay 41. Yep. So that, that's what gets you the ball uh, first and 10 from the Green Bay 36. A bunch, uh, bunch of Packers possessions end up in sacks. There were uh, two more punts after the after the Bears field goal, so it's three nothing Bears, and that's when the Packers really engage on their most effective drive of the game. Yeah, and if you're going to beat the Bears this year, you need at least one of these. They yeah. only needed one of them on opening night, which I think the Bears will sort out some of their problems because. You have to regress to the mean, whether that's downwards or upwards. Yeah. Like, this is an offense that was more effective than this in general. Yeah. It, it was, you know, the 10th ranked offense in the league last year. This is an offense that was, you know, not Super Bowl caliber, not top of the league, but was fine. They were, you know, decent last year. And they just looked atrocious in this game. The Bears did not run the ball enough. And when they did run the ball, they did not run effectively. Um, but in this Packers drive, this four-play drive, this is this is as you know as good as we could see from the Matt Lafleur offense. This is kind of a a kind of a breakdown of what we expect to see from the Matt Lafleur passing game. You know, it starts off with this the beautiful Aaron Rodgers deep throw to Marquez Valdez Scantling. It's really the the big highlights of the game, the big offensive moments of the game for either team. I love that play because it showed Rodgers. Looking one way and literally throwing another way. Yes, which is apparently impossible unless you also occurred. Yeah, it showed Valdez Scantling making a good adjustment on a ball. Yeah, but being so effing open yeah. that slowing down to let a ball kind of land at him. Yeah, didn't even matter because the defense couldn't catch up because he was so open. Yeah. to start with. Yeah, that he could make an adjustment without worrying about the defense recovering. Yeah, it was a beautiful throw, and and you mentioned how he's looking one way and throws it the other. Mm -hmm. Is is he's keeping his body and his head turned to the left, knowing Marquez Valdez Scantling is going to open up on this deep post route. He's got no coverage over the top. Um, it was they pulled Ha Ha Clinton Dix out, and I believe it was um, God, I forget his name, Mike, not Mike Neal, um, but. Uh, 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 Dion Bush, Dion Bush, Dion Bush, <laughs> Dion Bush. So Dion Bush is in the game. Ha Ha Clinton Dix is out. This is the only sequence Ha Ha Clinton Dix was not in for the Bears in this game. Um, Dion Bush is kind of has the over the top coverage. Aaron Rodgers looking to the left this whole time and not squaring up to throw to Marquez Valdez Scantling keeps Dion Bush from fading to the to the far right side of the field where Marquez Valdez Scantling is going to be breaking open. Rodgers keeps him pinned on the left side, uncorks a 50-yard bomb to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, which uh, leads him even more open. It's a perfect throw. There's been some chatter about if it was underthrown, if Rodgers doesn't have the arm strength anymore. That ball was flawless. He was looking in the other direction, He's looking and he in had the to come direction. open to yeah, do it. it was, so. it, he threw Marquez Valdez-Scantling over. That was a beautiful throw. And then they immediately tempoed up. They immediately, Rodgers races up to the line, in less than 40 seconds, they get the next snap off. It's a beautiful naked bootleg, bootleg out to the left where he hits Mercedes Lewis on a beautiful uh, running to his left throw. It's a really hard throw. I wanted to ad I advocated in the preseason for cutting yeah. Mercedes Lewis, but if you're going to actually throw the ball to him yep. and use him as a receiver, then you're fine. Keep him, keep him around. Yeah. That was something that I was wondered if Mike McCarthy knew that Mercedes Lewis was on the team. I don't think he did. Okay. Um, if that was if the uh, 
if the portion where he got handed the roster was uh, massage time yeah. for Mike McCarthy instead of uh, game time. Uh, quick pass to Devontae Adams, gets him 10 more yards. First and goal, it's another weird no-look pass to Jimmy Graham who catches oh. it in a tight window above his head. Yeah, Jimmy Graham, I've said it before, I don't care if he can't jump because he's taller being, than everyone. being eight and a half feet tall means he just puts his arms up yeah. and he's at full extension for a lot of guys who are at a full vertical leap. And so I want to go back to that throw to the Devontae Adams because it's not just a quick throw. like It's yep. a really important throw. Mm-hmm. Um, the play design here is an RPO. It's an inside zone to the left. And so Rodgers has a couple options here, and this is getting back to our uh, the idea of audibles in this offense, is that Rodgers has immediately two options with this play. He can hand the ball off to Aaron Jones running to the left, or he's got Devontae Adams on a little flat on the right side. And he has a read on the safety or the corner, whoever's covering Devontae Adams on that side. If he's playing up, if Devontae's not going to get a clean release, run the ball. If the guy's playing back and Devontae's going to have a clean release, immediately throw the, the ball to Devontae Adams. And we saw them go to the same exact RPO a few times. We, we went to it, The Packers went to it later. Uh, and Rodgers very badly missed Marquez Valdez-Scantling. It should have been picked. Um, but this is going to be a big part of this offense, is this kind of get up to the line, there's one read for a receiver, otherwise we're running the ball. And this is, again, getting the ball to Devontae Adams in space, letting him make a play, picks up 10 yards. The next one, two, three, four, five, five possessions are punts, and then there's an end, end of the half that comes on the sixth possession. Then after halftime, uh, there are then four, two, three, four, four straight punts, and then a Chicago drive that ends in a turnover on downs. Mm-hmm. And this is the section where I want to get into some of the decision making happening on the part of Matt Nagy and the Chicago Bears. Yeah, he's got a brand new kicker. Everything in the off season for the Bears is have they kick fixed the kicking problem? You know, it, the Super Bowl team what we have here in the bears they just don't yeah. have a kicker yet otherwise they'd be fine um they get a kicker they apparently like him but looking at a 50 yard field goal with fourth down and 10 they go for it on the green bay 33 could have made this a one point game a field goal difference in the game and they decide not to go for it trubisky makes a bad play yeah well it's that's pretty on par for yeah. Trubisky. Uh, he's not a good quarterback. Um, yeah, just a, a you know, a, it's crazy decision to spend so much time this offseason, put so much pressure on the, that position group, on the kickers, bring so many guys in, force them to all kick this 43-yard field goal. It 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 was just a, a it felt like this offseason for the Bears was like it's this obsession. You know, of every moment, every waking moment of this offseason for the Bears seemed to be dictated by this missed kick. Yep. Which was missed by one inch. And he made it before the timeout got called. You know, like, that miss dictated so much of this offseason. And their work this offseason to attempt to solve it didn't even matter because when it came into time to kick, they weren't going to kick anyways. This exposes what I think is the Achilles heel of Matt Nagy is that he's in his own head. Yeah. Because the tabloids want to be in your head. Yeah. So they made the offseason about the kicker, and he was more than happy to go along with it. Yeah, um, This is going to be me psychoanalyzing, which is, uh, you know, this podcast is free, so there's no value to this at all. <laughs> but yeah. uh, this guy on his play card has those two words, be you, with a period after it. Yeah, What that is, is him admitting to himself on national television, admitting to the world that sometimes he isn't him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes he gets lost in what did they expect. That's him admitting it. I yeah. think his his game plan and his play calls reflect this because um, you can notice a a change in the game plan from when they were up three nothing to when they go down seven three. Yeah, you can uh, see, you can see what happens. There's like thirty when he gets passes. into a hole. Uh, he changes. He he was more than happy to go along with the tabloid narrative of the kicker is the only thing that needs fixing on this team. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff with Matt Nagy that I think, I think I'm seeing. But again, this podcast is free, so my my uh, you know psychoanalysis and psychology is worth about that. Want to go to after that failed fourth down and ten, Green Bay rails off 20 yards and punts. 
just uh, just continued problems with uh, with the Packers. Go ahead. Um, I just I just wanted to talk about this before we get into yeah. this next Chicago possession here. Yeah, you know, we're getting to a point. <laughs> um, I did want to just go down the plays for Chicago after their turnover on downs. Uh-huh. So so that possession, the turnover turnover on downs, goes Mitch Trubisky pass deep left for twenty two yards. Allen Robinson, Chicago penalty. Mitch Trubisky pass, Mitch Trubisky pass, Mitch Trubisky pass. Penalty on Chicago, delay of game. It's their second delay of game in this drive. Mitch Trubisky pass, Mitch Trubisky scramble. Now their next position where they punt. Mitch Trubisky pass, Mitch Trubisky pass, Mitch Trubisky pass, Mitch Trubisky pass, 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 punt. Now the interception drive. That's a team that has three running backs. Pass, 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 pass. Three starting quality running backs. Pass, 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 two-minute warning. <laughs> I mean, right before the two-minute warning, that last pass was the interception. Um, and then they closed the game with a turnover on downs where they went pass, 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 sack. So, so, from, so yeah, it's a good game plan. Yeah, no. So from basically the middle of the third quarter to the end of the game, the Chicago Bears did not run the football. They were down seven points. Three running backs. You have three running backs. Tariq Cohen, you you decide, is now a slot wide receiver. He lines up in the slot almost like 40 snaps or something. That's I don't think he's a slot wide receiver. I don't think so either. He's best at you know taking advantage of the mismatches of linebacker on running back, not necessarily cornerback on running back. You know, he's, he's, he's not a, a route runner. He's an electrifying athlete, but he's not a slot wide receiver who runs great routes, who you know can take advantage of a minimal physical mismatch versus a big physical mismatch in, you know, inside linebacker. Yep. First streak going. So now we get to what I think is probably the single stupidest drive I've ever seen uncorked by any football team in the world. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a six play and only six plays because of, of how it went. But with, uh, with 14.53 left in the fourth quarter, the Bears get first down and 10 at their own 13. Short middle to Allen Robertson picks up a first down. First and 10, and there's an unnecessary roughness penalty on Tremont Williams. Mm-hmm. Big mistake by Williams. Yeah. Veteran player in the fourth quarter, down by four points. Can't make that, can't make that mistake, and it was clear on television that yeah. he had messed up there. So that gives you first and 10 at your own 42. That bring that yields a 19-yard completion. First and 10 at the Green Bay 43. Now, that's when things go away. Yeah. Uh, uh, First and 10 is an offensive holding penalty. Brings up first and 20 at your own 47. Uh. Short middle for for a five-yard pickup to Cohen. Penalty on Chicago. Illegal use of hands. That's a 10-yard penalty enforced at the 47. That brings up first down and 30 at your own 37. Uh, Deep right to Taylor Gabriel. Uh, Penalty is on Gabriel for offensive pass interference. And for Gabriel, this is just the dumbest mistake in the game because all the talk about Trubisky being bad, here's the thing he does well is he throws up nonsense and gets his receivers to make plays. He gives you a chance. He did that on this play, and Gabriel would have been open and able to make a play had he not pushed off with both hands on the back. Of the of the defensive back, I think that was Williams that he actually pushed off on. Don't remember exactly, but yeah. he wouldn't have needed to do that to be open, but he did. Yeah. Uh, so that is an offensive pass interference, ten yard penalty, first down and forty. Yeah, good luck at the Chicago twenty seven yard line. Uh, incomplete, incomplete, uh, completed pass on third down and forty to Taylor Gabriel, and that brings in the punting unit. So this was a drive that ended that picked up um that picked up two first downs or one first down and ended behind where it started (laughs) by 15 yards yeah (laughs) and on the response from that green bay goes 73 yards downfield to pick up a field goal and at that point it was over there was there was nothing the bears did nothing effective after that drive well they passed every time yeah and that drive was just uh, the booing had started before halftime. Yeah, from Bears fans, but that drive. Well, they all paid seven hundred dollars to get the in. The worst they thing to boo. Yeah, uh, I have no problem with fans who boo. Like that's that's not a, it's not oh. a political thing for me at all. But 
uh, past that. The Packers get the get the field goal, go up 10-3 on the very next drive. Uh, the Bears actually look like they're moving the ball, and then Mitch Trubisky <laughs> throws uh, probably the worst ball of the night. And yeah. for those of you who are watching the Sunday Night Football feed of this, that ball was still on its arc upward when Chris Collinsworth said, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no. And that's a, you know, that's a ball that uh, they talked about after the game. Um, and Adrian Amos apparently, like, knew they were coming back to it. Yeah. They they threw the corner uh, earlier in this drive, and he said, watch that. Watch the corner. Watch the corner. They're coming with it again. And they line up in the exact same formation. They run the exact same play, and Adrian Amos is over the top of it right there to make the play. Um you know, a great play from Adrian Amos, a smart play from Adrian Amos. And I think that, you know, it it really points to uh, what we signed him for, what the Packers yep. signed him for is, you know, the veteran smarts and always knowing where to be and knowing the right place to be. Um, he doesn't make mistakes and he doesn't, he's never in the wrong spot. Also on that interception throw, uh, quarterback pressure mm-hmm. and a quarterback hit from Darnell Savage on a blitz. And Preston Smith coming around the edge. I think all throughout this game, it cannot be overstated. Um, the new uh, acquisitions in free agency this year made earned all every penny. And the draft. Paid. Yes. Oh, and the draft as well. Darnold Savage had a brilliant game. Rashawn Gary had six important snaps, um, two pressures in those snaps, which is exceptional. Um, you know, can't say enough about the guys that Hukas brought in this this summer after the interception the Packers could have ended the game by picking up a first down they were not able to because again this Bears defense is very very good yep and anyone laughing at the Bears I'm with you I'm also laughing at the yeah, Bears but they're going to win games based on based on their defense alone this year they're going to win plenty of them based on that but the Bears can't pick up a first down turn it over on downs after the ensuing Green Bay punt and that's how the game ends 10 to 3 Packers over the Bears. The Bears were booed off the field by their home fans. Um, as as the leader of the free world likes to say, we love to see it. Yeah, love to folks. see it. Love to see I it. enjoyed that a lot. Um, I do think that this was a fitting opening to the Packers season. In a way, it, it helps you with the storylines. If you're trying to write the storylines, this was a season where the defense was supposed to get better and the offense was a major question mark because Matt LaFleur is trying to build something entirely new. Yeah. But a statement game for the Green Bay defense, the challenges for the Green Bay defense are going to get better because you're going to face NFL quarterbacks from here on out, including this coming Sunday against Kirk Cousins, who um, down down here last year, I do not believe that that's at all going to affect the Vikings this year. I think he's way better. Yeah. Than that year he had last year, he's got Diggs and Thielen on the on the edge. That defense is going to be very much tested next week, but not a lot of offense to speak of for the Packers. They barely got it over 300 total yards for the game. Yeah, but uh, the defense all of a sudden, all the pieces that they added were the pieces that contributed. Yeah, and filled in the blanks. There was pressure from the outside linebackers, Matt. Pressure, pressure from, from the outside, the outside linebackers. It was insane. You know, uh, last year. Uh, Nick Perry had 13 pressures in nine games. Uh, this week alone, Zadarius Smith had 10 pressures in one game. Um, you can you can almost do better by uh, like accidentally. Yeah, than it's that. incredible. It's unbelievable. You know this this Green Bay Packers defense led the league in pressures. Mike Patton was was able to get really really creative and still get pressure and get home with only bringing three or four guys. And a lot of of how they succeeded against this Bears team is is. By showing six, you know, putting two guys in that double A gap and, and and showing like they're bringing six or seven guys and then dropping back and only bringing three or four or sometimes five and making sure that the offense never knew where it was coming from, giving them the same look pre-snap and changing it up post-snap every single time. The offensive line for the Bears was not supposed to be one of their weak spots either. No. So, so they have this a good was, offensive yeah, line. Yeah, this was a good effective thing. I think interior on the interior of their line, they moved Whitehair over to guard. They got this guy Jackson playing center now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's going to work out for them. Jackson had a bad game, and Whitehair wasn't as effective as he normally is. So I don't know if that's growing pains or if this guy Jackson isn't any good or not. Mm-hmm. I want to take a quick look at snap counts. We've got a little bit of time before 
we go to our break, use this as, as a way of breaking down the the Packers by position. Rodgers, this was a, a winning performance from Aaron Rodgers because he led two effective drives. Yeah. That's not going to do it no. most weeks. So he's got to improve immediately. And I think we can see some of what was happening in the second half where the zone run with the Aaron Jones one cut back to yeah. the weak side of a power run formation, that's got to work more frequently, and that's on the offensive line. That's also going to improve based on the fact that you're not going to see that good of a defensive front again until December when you see the Bears' yeah. same defensive front. Yeah, I would say that this is by far the best defensive front in the league. and so with That's this, absurd how good it is. It's insane. So with this offense... You know, it's so predicated on the run and getting the run started. You know, they just couldn't get it going because you're facing perhaps the best pass rushing team and run defense team in the league. Um, so, you know, a lot of a lot of the Packers offensive struggles come from just playing such a tough defense. But, uh, you know, it's not it's not going to get much easier next week with with the Vikings front seven, which is pretty darn talented themselves. Basically, Vikings defensive front seven, not the best in the league. Therefore, it's going to get possibly easier. easier. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Jones played the most snaps at running back. We saw a little bit of Jamal Williams. Looked like Aaron Jones might have been slightly dinged at one point. Uh, Danny Vitale was in there for uh, a little bit. I want him to carry the ball occasionally, especially if they start having effective runs from Aaron Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, start using Vitaly as kind of a uh, a bang through the middle kind of guy. I don't know that, if that's in Lafleur's scheme, but I'm like, oh, oh I'm a foot, I'm a foot full ball full. I can say words full back run the ball kind of guy. A foot back full ball run the ball. Uh, yeah, kind of that's that's the kind of guy I am right there. It's yeah. on my it's on all my social media profiles. Devontae Adams played every snap but two. Yep. On the offensive side, Valdez Scantling was in there for most of them. Geronimo Allison was in there for half. Uh, Trevor Davis, who Matt LaFleur really seems to like, mm-hmm. got 19 snap, snaps, and Jake Kumaro got one. Yeah, I think that our official cheeseheads position is that we'd like those numbers to be reversed. But Trevor I'm James also, nice I'm, yeah, I'm waiting on, I'm waiting for Matt LaFleur to kind of show me what he thinks Trevor Davis is fully capable of. Yeah, because I don't know that I trust McCarthy's offense to show me everything a guy is capable of. And for a guy like Davis, who's part of like the old guard who managed to beat out some guys who really put some work in, in the preseason to make the roster tells me that like LaFleur has some idea of what he's going to do with this guy. Yeah. Because there are plenty of other unproven guys that, that I think the media would have been happy to see over him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I, I think we would have been, like over excited to see Alan Lazard or, or uh, mm-hmm. you know, any number of the guys who came in for just a, a blip uh, in over Trevor Davis. But uh, a note on Alan Lazard because Sternberger went to IR. He yep. is on the He's active on the roster 53. currently. I don't think he was in the active. I think he was one of the, you know, you, you get 46 active on game yep. day. I think he was in the few guys that are not active uh, on Sunday. He did not see any snaps. Uh, Devontae Adams was was double and triple covered all night long. Um, you know, if 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 that's the way to shut down the Packers passing offense is triple cover Devontae Adams, I think it won't be long before we start to see this offense start to break out. Um, just because you know, if that much attention is paid to one guy all game long, you're gonna find some openings. Robert Tanyan in the tight end group. Of course, we talked about Jimmy Graham. His one notable play was that touchdown catch. Mercedes Lewis was oh so good. Uh, Mercedes Lewis, his contribution was the reception on that drive. Robert Tanyan with a big 28-yard reception as well. That's three good weapons at tight end. I'm, of course, a big believer in large large Robert Tanyan. Yeah, so big Bob, yeah, King. It's good to good to see him getting real NFL action. It shows me that he's going to be a part of this receiver group and this tight end group, all 16 regular season games, which shit, I thought he earned that last season, yeah, but they're really high on him. He, yeah. you know, he's, he's quick, he's fast. He runs good routes. He's, he's great up the seam. He can stretch a defense uh, in a way that Mercedes Lewis can't. And in, in a way that Jimmy cramp can't anymore. Um, he's a, he's a great addition to this tight end room tight end room yeah he's he's very very big too he doesn't yeah and grant where graham looked like a basketball player robert tanyan looks like a, a linebacker yeah he looks like a football yeah, player he looks he looks very legitimate uh, 
all five guys played on the offensive line. All five starters played the entire game. Lane Taylor probably had the worst game out of the bunch. Yeah. I think Brian Balaga had the best game out of the bunch because yeah. uh, Khalil Mack struggled. didn't have any any real uh, it was... pressures against Balaga. Bakhtiari had some troubles. Yeah, He's been a slow starter, though. I think we've seen this in a couple of seasons that mm-hmm. he has a bit of trouble, especially with he's very, very happy to give ground and kind of use that uh, use that kung fu thing of yeah. use your opponent's momentum against you. Um, the only problem with that is that your quarterback is behind you. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't <laughs> My work. Friend. And we saw it a few times where yep. like Roy Robertson-Harris or Leonard Floyd would, you know, like stutter step off the line off their jump on a pass yep. play. And so they'd get a couple yards of space between mm. them and Bakhtiari and then just burst and drive right into him. And it they were able to push him back yeah. a few times and cause a few sacks just by doing that. I think Bakhtiari has to focus on initiating contact with those guys a little yeah. bit earlier yeah. in his drop back. But all five guys are healthy. It wouldn't surprise me to see Elton Jenkins in place of Lane Taylor. Mm-hmm. I think he'll start Soon. getting drives before he starts getting starts. Yeah. I think we'll start to see a little bit of substitutions here and there. Um, I want to talk about some blocking schemes while sure. we're on the offensive line. I noticed this on the on the first couple of drives is that uh, the note I wrote down is that there is no cutback room against the Bears defense because they have guys who can take take your blockers one-on-one. And there were a couple of situations where that put Jimmy Graham in a situation where he was being asked to block Khalil Mack yeah. one-on-one. And this, work. you know, the Packers are going to see film on this. And I certainly hope that they're smart enough to notice as well as I did that any play that involves Jimmy Graham having to block one an on elite one. pass rusher one on one. You need to anybody take that one. play and pull it out of your yeah. little laminated slide and bu- and wrinkle it up and then throw it into the ocean. Because I mean, there, that's not going to do it. There's a play where where Jimmy Graham had to block Ha Ha Clinton Dix one on one and no uh, Ha Ha Clinton Dix just <laughs> blew him up. No, and look, I, if Ha Ha Clinton Dix blows you up in run support. Yeah, maybe maybe let's let maybe let's ease it back on Jimmy Graham's run block. This was snaps. a this was Seven the comeback shit. game for Ha Clinton Dix against yeah, his former team. Well, yeah, he played fine, but you didn't hear his name called. Yeah, I mean he didn't give up any plays. Nope. I guess is my big thing is is so much of Ha Clinton Dix's career thus far has been giving up the big plays. Um, you know, so having having guys like Eddie Jackson and and Kyle Fuller, who I guess isn't great, but. Uh, having that pass rush, I guess, up front is is more important than anything else. Taking a look at the defensive side, Clark, Lowry, Montravius, Adams were your, your main three. Clark and Lowry were your big guys up front. Adams and Lancaster each got just uh, around 15 to 20 snaps apiece. Uh, Kenny Clark and Kyle Lowry, or Dean Lowry, not Kyle Lowry. He's a different guy who plays point guard, point for, guard the for the Raptors. World Championship Toronto Raptors. Um, boy, they are, they are very good, and I think can't talk about them without talking about them as compliments to Preston and Zadarius Smith, who played huge minutes, huge snaps against the Bears and were absolutely fantastic. Yeah, no, really stellar. Preston Smith had a sack and a half. Zadarius Smith had a sack. They both had like 10 pressures. Uh, Each Smith had three quarterback hits. Uh, Preston Smith had a deflected pass. They were insane, incredible. Great in both pass and run defense. Um, you know, Kyler Fackrell played a little bit, but but the show was really the Smiths. This was an example of Nagy playing exactly to the Packers' strengths as well. Yeah, because oh, man. you you're in a situation where if you start establishing the run, which is my favorite NFL cliche, mm-hmm. establish the run. If you start doing that. You've got a Packers team that has one effective inside linebacker at the moment. If you start having to put them into heavy formations, you start bringing offensive linemen downhill onto Raven Green, yeah, who is your current second inside linebacker. Yeah, and while he played well, he, he played, played fine. He played well yeah. mainly because the Bears threw it like 33 there times in a row. Exactly right, and you start letting Zadarius and Preston pin their ears back, and you start letting Rashawn Gary get yeah. NFL reps and be effective with you. Rashawn Gary is a 100% sellout pass rusher. Right now, he's, yeah. he's a stellar run defender when he's asked to, but he was used on his six snaps as, go get the freaking yeah, quarterback. Go get him. We're going to set up a stunt. We're going to let you twist inside. Go get it. Yeah. And they ran him down the stretch. They had 
Rashawn Gary had six snaps. Three or four of those six snaps came on the drive where Trubisky threw that interception to Adrian Amos. Yeah. I think by week 10 or week 12, you might be expecting to see something from Rashawn Gary that isn't just a pure sellout rush. But yeah. you know, note to Packers opponents, if you see 52 on the field right now, he's coming directly after the quarterback. And, and at this point, because of how good he is, just like physically, like he's so fast. Mike Pettin gets him on these stunts where he's, he's able to get a little runway into his, his get some acceleration built up before he hit, makes contact with an offensive lineman. It doesn't matter if you know he's coming. No, no. He, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if you know he's coming. He's that athletic and that good that if it's schemed right, it doesn't matter. I'd be looking for the blitz on his side yeah. as well. But you're Matt Nagy. You have three NFL caliber starting running backs. Yep. And you let a team that has limited depth at inside linebacker just pin their ears back and push their their outside linebackers at your quarterback for a good 25 minutes of an of regulation in an NFL game it's and it, it was an amazingly bad game yeah oh it was it was horrible i mean matt nagy what the heck are you doing here buddy you have been watching mitch trubisky every day in practice yep you know exactly who he is in what world did you think, oh, I can let him play, uh, I can let him handle it for 33 snaps and we're going to come out on top? Yeah, here's my guy, what? Peyton Manning. What? No. Man, Mitch, look, I didn't expect Mitch Trubisky to be this bad. Mitch Trubisky was atrocious. It was, sho- it was shocking he was how bad atrocious. I, I had no idea that. I, yeah, I, I had no idea that they planned on using him like that. That was a like the idea that Yeah, the idea that you can come out in a spread formation with Mitch Trubisky in the pocket and and throw it. What, he dropped back like 50 times, something like that? 45 times. That's too many. That's way too many. <clears throat> That's abysmal. That's terrible. One final note on snap counts in the secondary. Uh, Amos and Savage play the entire game at safety. That's going to be a duo. Darnell oh, Savage. man. Boy, does he like to come downhill on a guy. Oh, there was, there was one play where he, he gets a pass breakup across the middle where he breaks on it so early that he has to stop and back up mm-hmm. and then break on it again. That's incredible game speed. That's, four, that's, that's when you run a 4-3-6 and have an incredible three-cone drill. And then you're using it in a game combined with being a really smart free safety. He's a hitter too. He's, he's real, a hitter. He's into it. He, oh man, Darnell Savage is going to be so good, and Adrian Amos already is so good. At cornerback, uh, Alexander and Tremont Williams are your starters. They go the whole game. I have a feeling we are going to see Shannon Sullivan a little bit. Yeah. When it comes to games where you cannot put Jermon Williams out against a faster receiving core. The Bears' yeah. receiving core is not all that fast. Yeah. Kevin King played 42 snaps and did not leave because of any injury. Yeah. He dropped an interception, and it looked like he might have been a little bit like, ow. Yeah. After that, it looked like he fell a little bit funny, but he was back out on the field in the Thank third God. quarter. Yeah, he had, he, you know, he had a pass breakup. Which had was a good a, game. Which was that dropped interception. He had five tackles and a sack. Uh, he looked pretty good. Tony Brown. He got 27 snaps. He did not look as good. He had our he had both of the Packers penalties on special teams, um, and he also was in coverage on Allen Robinson on a few of those uh, nice back shoulder throws that Mitch Trubisky made. Um, a few of the really only major uh, positives in the Bears passing game uh, happened to guys Tony Brown was covering. Yeah, gonna take some time. Yeah, ongoing project. I'm yeah. I was surprised that he got his. Agent. I'm surprised that he's seeing. Yeah. 25 snaps in an NFL game right now. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's because the guy behind him is Josh Jackson. who yeah. got three snaps and not really sure what's going on there with, with guys named Josh in the Packers secondary. One of them is a struggle is gone. The other one got three snaps after being a highly touted draft pick. Yeah. Playing so really not, well through the preseason. Not really sure what's going on with Josh Jackson there. Uh, we shall see though. That's, that's, I think a, a good look at, the positions and what we're going to be seeing in NFL games. Again, I'm banking on Elton Jenkins and Shannon Sullivan playing more yeah. against the Vikings than they did against the Bears, which is to say not at all. But um, let's take a break. I'm not sure if my break music is going to play. That's uh, inside baseball, but we're recording this live. Let's see if the break music comes up, shall we? There it is. 
while the break music is playing, I want to remind Great you news. that we have a Twitter account. It's at Cheesecagoland. We'll be doing some live tweeting during Packers games. Follow that to learn all about Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Uh, follow our Facebook group. That's at Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. There's not an at in front of it because it's Facebook and they don't have that. No. Uh, my Twitter is MP Fleischman. His Twitter is Melumsetter. I've stopped posting on Instagram for some reason, so don't bother with it. Um, Me too. Yeah, this is Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. We'll be back in a moment. Heads in Chicagoland is the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. I am Mike Fleischman. It's my beautiful South Side of State where we bring you this recording of Cheeseheads in Chicagoland from Matt Malumsetter is sitting back down. Hi. Uh, I want to turn our attention to larger NFL issues. Okay. Maybe take a look at some of these scores from around the league. When I pull up the scores page, here it is. The Los Angeles Rams got their first win of the season against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, major questions about how healthy Cam Newton is there. That's going to be Cam Newton's situation, I think, for probably the rest of his yeah. playing career is that he played behind a bad offensive line. And he plays such a physical style. He is a very aggressive runner. So yeah. he's been hit a lot. Ongoing questions as to whether he's going to stay healthy and I like what uh, I like what they did, and it's a shame that he never, never got a look at like a, a truly big stage for yeah. some of the great years he's had down there in Carolina. The Tennessee Titans, in a game that I watched from start to finish, dismantled the Cleveland Browns in front of the home Cleveland crowd, forty-three to thirteen. This was supposed to be Cleveland's coming out party with their their new look offense, their revamped defense, and they committed a truly amazing amount of penalties yeah. and looked like a hot flaming pile of garbage. Yeah, they looked bad. You know, there was a lot of uh, a lot of stories coming out of camp of like them getting into fights with uh, their like the other teams in, you know, combo practices yeah. or whatever and it's a new young young new coach Freddie Kitchens um and you know with with 18 penalties and all those fights is what it what it says to me, and this is kind of back to that psychoanalysis kind of thing of don't don't take what I'm saying for real, but it does again free podcast, free podcast, free you get content. What you pay for here, the, yeah, Patreon subscribers maybe then you can pay attention to what I'm saying, but uh, for now it's free. Um, but uh, you know it 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 just seems like undisciplined in 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 kind of an, a lack of a professional uh, environment um, that kind of comes with you know a brand new coach who's hardly been doing this ever um in freddie kitchens just a bad uh, browns game maybe we hyped maybe people not we i wasn't super high on them maybe everybody in the world hyped them up so much that well people forget that the titans are very good and have yeah they are still banking on a quarterback who has a long injury history for not having been in the league all that long yeah in marcus Mariota, he he played a very good game they have they have Derrick Henry, yeah, who is a, just a phenomenal running back. They yeah. have a coach whose main deal is that he wants to use Derrick Henry a, a lot, a ton, and he, he wants the, he wants the team to mirror his own identity as a player and a coach, which is a dude who's in shape and mean. Yeah, and, and very mean. That's that's what Mike Vrabel was as a player. He was yeah. in shape and mean. And the Tennessee Titans, Matt, they're in shape and they're mean. Yeah. Oh, man. They're going to come running down your throat. Mm-hmm. And you're going to beat teams like the Browns, who uh, who just got who, who got too much press written on them for being the league's worst franchise. <laughs> of all time. And, and got press because apparently that was supposed to be changing. 
Except uh, the it's thing not. about it, it changing is that you have to change it in order for it to change. Um, let's take a look. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs take care of Jacksonville. They're going to be good this year. That's not a surprise at all. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens shithouse the Miami Dolphins 59-10. to um, The Ravens are going to be very good with Lamar Jackson. But the Dolphins. The bigger story is the fact that the Dolphins are coming apart down there in Florida. We don't talk about them much Man. because who the heck cares about a uh, an AFC team down in Florida? But poor they're Josh gonna Rosen. have a they're gonna have a rough year. Yeah, yeah. Poor Josh Rosen getting moved from one of the worst offensive lines in recent history in Arizona to maybe the worst offensive line in recent history in Miami. Uh, on a team that is as close to fully tanking as we've ever seen. In the yep, NFL. they're they're trying something down there, and Man. they're going to lose a lot. The uh, the Vikings went at home against the Atlanta Falcons, twenty eight twelve. That game was not as close as that score indicates. See, the, I disagree. I thought it was closer than that score indicated, just because so many times it came down to the Atlanta Falcons making an egregious mistake that we never see Matt Ryan make. That was uh, they were scoreless at halftime though. Yeah, it was twenty-eight zero. Okay, and and all, but what I mean is that all of Minnesota's points came off of the short field mm-hmm. uh, turnover plays, and so every time Minnesota just got the ball, it was punt, 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 punt. Um, so what I mean by it is that Minnesota, I don't think really won twenty-eight twelve. I think it was more like a seventeen to twelve. All right, like, you I'll know. take it. I'll yeah. take it. Uh, the Buffalo Bills beat the New York Jets. <laughs> I don't yeah, care. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles come back and beat Washington 32-27. to 27. Um, That's a, that's a score. Uh, the, Sean Jackson come back. Yep. The Chargers beat the Colts 30-24 to 24 down in San Diego. Uh, Seattle beats Cincinnati 21-20. to 20. The Arizona Cardinals tie the Detroit Lions 27-27 to 27 in a game in which... Matt Patricia and his coaching staff, figuratively, not literally, shot themselves in their own foot. Yeah. Because if they had literally done that, the highlights would have been better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe what the Lions are achieving. <sighs> they achieve new lows every season. <laughs> they achieve things that I didn't think was possible. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys beat the crap out of the New York Giants. This game was not as close as the score indicates, 35-17. Uh, the 49ers beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the game that should end Jameis Winston's NFL yeah. career. Um, and the New England Man. Patriots beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 33-3. to That game was fun to watch. And, of course, then on Monday night, I watched this game in its entirety as well, the New Orleans Saints are contenders again this yeah. year. They're back. They're restocked. They beat the Texans. The Texans are going to be good this yeah. year. Deshaun Watson He's is great. my current favorite NFL quarterback. He's great. He's so good. And the Raiders beat the Denver Broncos. I don't think anyone expected that, except for any of the people who happen to expect it. But um, the Raiders are actually going to be a little bit better than they were yeah. last year because they have actual NFL players this year. I want to go back to Jacksonville, Kansas City, and I want to say a farewell this season uh, to large Richard Nick Foles, who broke his clavicle on a touchdown pass. Yeah. On a play. Beautiful throw to DJ Chark. Good throw. He's a gamer. Throw. He's a gamer. Nick, oh. I, I, I'm going to miss Nick Foles in the league this year, even though he was playing for possibly the most irrelevant franchise in in Florida that isn't the yeah. other NFL franchise in Florida. Yeah, man. But, oh, my goodness. It's it's sad to see him go. We are going to get the mustache Gardner Minshew. Yes, we are. I'm excited for Let's do it. mustache Minshew. How about the uh, – apparently – now, now in 2019, yeah, you can debate with the referees whether or not you've had a penalty called on you, but with the challenging, yeah, pass interference and that sort of thing. But you can also wrap up and drive your full weight down on a guy and break his collarbone yeah. again. Yeah, that's it, illegal. That again. Great. Yeah. Well, we also saw it with with Aaron Rodgers where somebody like grabbed him by the head and like WWE yep. slammed him down. Um, no call there either. Nope. Uh, so I guess it's just cool. It's, it's just cool to do that again. Quarterbacks again. Well, after the throws, the ball's out of their hands. That brings me whatever to NFL. to the the one broader NFL topic that I think I think you'd take our podcast away if we didn't talk about this, and that's Antonio Brown. Yeah. 
and what's been going on with him. I've been avoiding talking about him. Yeah. And I was going to devote a short segment <laughs> to him. Oh. Had we recorded this podcast yesterday. Yeah. But uh, fortunately... Fortunately, fortunately for us. you postponed the recording of yeah. this podcast. Fortunately, I, today I was a dummy and Because you, you wanted to save me yeah. from... Yeah, well, I saw what was coming. You know, here's what... <laughs> Here's what my my analysis of Antonio Brown, and it's it's because I I never want to take a look at like a guy I don't know and describe too much to him. I'll psychoanalyze like Matt Nagy oh, all yeah. I want to do, but different if it's the Bears. Yeah, there's a different. <laughs> I had I had a take that was essentially like a continuation of my labor relations takes. Yeah, in that a lot of this behavior that you see from Antonio Brown and other you know, let's put air quotes around disaffected or troublesome NFL players. Mm-hmm. A lot of this happens because the labor relations and the solidarity of NFL workers and how they negotiate with their bosses has been so degraded to the point where if you are a player who wants to get certain things from your bosses, there is no option that puts you in continued solidarity with the rest of the players there's only the the lone wolf option Mm -hmm. and that means that you know actual other nfl players are naturally going to be hurt by what you do yeah because it casts the rest of them in your light every uh, every player is just a a dissatisfied antonio brown if they Mm -hmm. complain about their contract or don't like where they're playing or want a new contract, or, or want a trade, because there's no way for players to currently get those things without stepping completely outside of the bounds of the current situation. Now, that was going to be my take before Antonio Brown was very credibly accused of rape and sued in federal court yeah. yesterday evening. Uh, now I don't care, and his situation is uh, is completely irrelevant to... Yeah, the the task at hand, and um, I I want him off my television screen. Yeah, I'm I don't finished. want to hear about this. I'm anymore. done. I'm done. Yeah, this, this is it. Stopped being funny. It stopped being entertaining, and it went from a story about a guy who has been acting in a way that pisses off squares, which I like, to yeah. a guy who's apparently been acting in a very deeply like disturbing and criminal way. Yeah, that I dislike a lot. So yeah. we're finished. Um, but I did write down some notes about how this is going to be dealt with because as of right now, and I'm sure this will change two half seconds after I stop recording sure. this podcast. Probably changed since we started yeah. recording. I, I should actually check. I haven't. I, I should mean, check I the headlines, anything, but because I don't know what's what's happened. But as of right now, the NFL is only considering placing Antonio Brown on paid leave. And making him ineligible to play, but he is it's still paid leave. Yeah, that's all. What? That's all that's even being considered. There's no, there's no actions being taken right now, and I want you to consider some of the situations we've seen in regards to violence, and sexual violence in the NFL, whether it's Ray Rice or Ezekiel Elliott. Or the guy in Kansas City, whose name I forget right now. Um, or Tyreek Hill. Yeah, Tyreek Hill. That's it. I didn't want to. Kareem Hunt. Yep. Are they both? They were both Kansas oh. City, but then Kareem Hunt's now in Cleveland. Now he's in Cleveland. Kansas City cut him. Oh my word. Sorry, um, I was reading the Antonio yeah. Brown emails. Here, here's here's the note that I I wrote down, and it's simply the question of who gets to come back and who gets forced out of the league is a question of capital largely mm-hmm. um, guys like hunt and hill create wealth for the billionaire owners antonio brown creates wealth for robert Kraft, as in like antonio brown creates more income for Kraft than they pay him by a large enough margin to where there's a lot that he can do yeah. without being taken off the field for the new england patriots and therefore he's treated differently than players with less of that surplus value creation. Yeah, and I think that Antonio Brown would certainly be treated differently, uh, perhaps uh, if he was was not on a team owned by Robert Kraft, a known 
sexual trafficker, a, uh, and a known hirer of, of of questionable human yeah. beings as yep. well. Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'm getting at is is Robert Kraft doesn't really give a shit about other mm-hmm. human beings. He's here for the money and the sport. And I think that a lot of people like to fall on fall back on this idea of like, well, there are hard and fast rules that apply to all players about how they're treated when this happens. And the thing that I'd counter is that, no, there really aren't. No. That the rules are written to provide owners with the leeway to make these value determinations. Yeah. In part, and this is, again, like lack of labor solidarity propels the, propels a making moves culture of like, look, this guy out here making his business moves to get where he wants to be. It propels that, and particularly in football, due to bad labor situations, bad, bad processes of like internal, um, what's my word? Internal uh, arbitration, internal negotiation, internal punishment structures. Okay, these are all bad. Yeah, and that's what propels players to think that if they want something, they have to move outside of the rest of the labor situation because the labor situation hasn't yielded them any positive material benefits. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking a lot about that right before you arrived, and wrote that down. And it's just, you know, that none of this has anything to do with. Antonio Brown being accused of rape. His this is all, yeah, this is all this X'd is out. This is all about like the general. Yeah. Yeah. None of that applies to him anymore. But a lot of, I was thinking about this in, you know, again, you take like, you go back to like the actual average NFL player who has, yeah. who has less than a two year career and makes somewhat less after taxes than a million dollars or something. Yeah. You know, it's, Probably less. The, yeah, the average NFL player, like, you can't, that guy can't make moves. That guy no. can't get on his grind. Yeah. He is completely, yeah, you know, and he certainly can't be credibly accused of anything, let alone, like, serious felonies. But yeah, immediately. Without immediately losing his entire career. Like, yeah. he can't get pulled over in a traffic stop yeah. in some cases. Yep. Without immediately losing his career. There's no grind. There's no, no hustle. There's no like, you know, there's, there's no one on, on Twitter like saying like, well, this is all just, you know, you see these business moves he's making. Like there's nothing, nothing no. like that can happen for the average, for the average NFL, player. NFL player. Yeah. The average NFL player has no leverage and is yep. excited to, can be traded at any moment, can be moved, forced to move at any moment. Oh, can literally be cut. Can literally lose his job yeah. at any moment uh, with no guarantees. Um, yeah, I mean, like the average NFL player, the guy who gets drafted in the sixth round, the guy who gets drafted in the fifth round, the guy who is an undrafted free agent out of northern Illinois and, you know, is on a practice squad, he's not making a ton of money and will have no income stream in two years. That's why, and that's why I've always pushed back against this idea of, like, you know, the players have to make their own destiny and you have to, you have to, go out there and get what you want which was until last night the narrative on brown largely is that like mm-hmm. he's just getting what he wants yeah the only way that he can this was all part and, of the plan yeah you know, like my my question would have been like what if there was another way for him to get what he wants yeah what <laughs> like, if he was just able to what if there's actual like labor solidarity and the co- contract structures in the nfl were such that like players actually had some self-determination under the actual like agreed upon contract with the owners of the teams. Yeah, I mean, we're coming up on the the newest collective bargaining agreement. I think within it's like twenty twenty one. Um, so there's going to be an opportunity to make major strides in this. Uh, will it happen? Likely not, just because the ownership group has so much power over the players' union. This is another reason why, like teams. Teams have a very deeply vested interest in getting their like financial evaluation of their team, like what mm-hmm. the team is worth on paper, even though it may not currently be for sale. Yeah, they really enjoy driving that up, and part of the reason, part of the way they drive it up, is that these teams sell for more and more money to increasingly more and more wealthy people. Mm-hmm. Like, look at this is not an NFL option, but look at Steve Ballmer buying the Clippers oh, yeah. for four billion dollars. He just like, invested a hundred million into Inglewood, uh, yeah, because he's considering building an arena there. I mean, the money is not an issue. Yeah, for Steve Ballmer. It's gonna and what it does is it 
it drives it increases the gap between player and owner. Yeah, and that you no longer have like millionaires negotiation negotiating with with one hundred to five hundred millionaires. You have guys who are worth ten to twenty billion dollars. Yeah, ownership groups that value their team at four billion dollars and above. Like, you know, like this is it's it's become a matter of a team worth. Four billion dollars negotiating with uh, you know, guys worth a million and a half on paper, maybe. Yeah, and that's just rookies who yeah. are, are going to be making four hundred thousand dollars a year, four hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, and veterans making ten million dollars a year, walking away from those rookies and saying, "Not my problem." Yeah, which is not true. yeah, that's just not at all true. What do you think Jerry Jones could get for the Cowboys? I bet he could today. get today. Four point three billion dollars. I bet he could get ten. Whoa! <laughs> Cowboys valuation. Google says five billion dollars, up four percent from twenty eighteen. Okay. Wow. Wow. Another point that I'm making with this is that I don't think the Clippers are worth four billion dollars. No, I don't think the Cowboys are worth five billion dollars. <laughs> This yeah, I'm and well, maybe the Cowboys are mainly because of their stadium. Yeah, I guess I'm they just, do own that. I'm just making up numbers. <laughs> yeah, saying. these are fake but, numbers. Yeah, you, real. You could you could get more than that for them. Yeah, and I don't think they're worth any of that. Yeah, you know, they're. I I just don't. I think that this is an another. It's this is another bubble world where yeah. economics have have created imaginary worths to yeah. things. Now, like I. To to ground this in like normalcy, I tried to before I bought this house. I tried to buy another house that was for sale for about what this house cost, but I was not able to buy it because the owners of the house would not take my offer. They were trying to find a higher number mm-hmm. than the offer I made for it, but they decided in the end not to take my offer because they had remortgaged the house at the height of the housing bubble. Mm. for, I'm not kidding you, twice as much as what I was offering to pay for it, which was the correct price. So they were twice as deep in the hole as I was offering to get them out of. Wow. On a house that wasn't worth that. So like, and and like that valuation of that house was imaginary. It's made up. Yeah. And I think you're seeing the exact same thing in a lot of economic situations right now. This is not a economic forecasting podcast, but well, I, these I think it's pretty easy to say where we're yeah, heading. Right these now. these numbers are <laughs> these numbers are fake. Uh, is is my point, and these numbers are never going to be faked in in a way that will benefit workers. They will always oh, be faked yeah. in a way that benefits owners. Yes. Oh, yeah. And that that I think is is the the biggest point. But I'm also I'm uh, Antonio Brown. The whole saga has been. What been been tough to deal with. Twist, and, man. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, I just I wasn't ready for, for no. that twist to come oh in last God. night. I was I was reading through Twitter. I, I I got back from I was my roommate and I and his his father went to the White Sox game. His dad's in town moving his little brother in and bought us all White Sox tickets and I got back from the White Sox game and was going through my Twitter and I was was hours behind and I found the Antonio Brown stuff and I was like, Oh, my oh no God. didn't see this one coming um so crazy t- sequence of events in the last week yeah it's it's been Holy. it's been too much and i think it the 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 way it overshadows the actual games which were pretty good yeah is rough because it yeah it turns it turns Turns guys like us and guys, you know, like ESPN into guys who are left to talk about stuff that isn't isn't their their wheelhouse. You know, not in our pay grade. Yeah, I'm not. I am. I have. I have no experience and like very little knowledge on like working with people who have either experienced or committed sexual violence. I put my foot in my mouth yeah. so much. I really yeah, that's not. What, that's what we I do really on this do podcast. not want to talk about something yeah. so serious and nuanced. Um, yeah, but I, but football sometimes forces us to do that. This is, and it's to me, it's just clearly a situation where Antonio Brown has already been exhibiting 
erratic behavior. Yeah. And now it seems that like he's it is the email I I was reading the emails. Yeah, earlier. the emails the that emails they released are fully erratic. Are yeah, are are not good. No. They're yeah which is why like you know my whole hot take of like you can't be out you know making business moves yeah and like projecting this persona like i don't think he's projecting a persona when he's acting erratically yeah because you pull the curtain back and it's it's just as disorganized yeah so many times people see disorganization like this you know with 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 kanye west a few years ago and with donald trump i think is kind of the biggest example of this and now with antonio brown where we see this erratic kind of all over the place behavior and people say, Oh, it's 40 chess. You know, it's like they're playing this big long game. They're seeing in the future. They're a genius. Yeah. No, they're just, they're just kind of going a little nuts right now. They're just act, behaving uh, erratically. It, there's no plan. This is full disorganization. Yeah. And for, for people who see that out there, it's, it's a, it's kind of a wishful thinking thing in that, like, yeah, I know what it is to live by the seat of your pants. Yeah. Like, I do so now to a certain extent, but also, like, I've done so way more yeah. in the past. <laughs> yeah. You know, where, where it's like, I just, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm a broadcaster. You, know, you throw the yeah. plates up in the air and you see if you can catch them all. Yeah. That's what you do. And so when you see guys who, like, kind of barely have it together you think to yourself like well that's just where i am too and like you know he's just gonna see if he can catch them all yeah and that's how a lot of people have to live nowadays but it's a lot of wishful thinking because sometimes when you see people who like cl- clearly seem like they have some real troubles it turns out that they just have some real troubles yeah it's not the genius plan it's just they need help i'm real sad about nick Foles. I'm really, I'm really sad. I wish you didn't. I was sad that, that he again. got signed by the Jaguars. Sad he got signed by the Jaguars, and then I guess a little happy that he got out of playing for the Jaguars. <laughs> for the True, year. that helps. But it does hurt me that he's in pain. Mustache Minshew next week coming up. Can't wait. Gardner Minshew. I mean, he he looks like he's like from a Scorsese movie. Yeah, he looks insane. He looks insane. I saw a picture that was was a side by side of him and Tom Brady, and they said one of them is twenty four, one yeah, of them I is forty two, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That's been Cheese Heads in Chicagoland. This is episode forty seven. We'll be back next week to talk about Packers Vikings, which is happening on Sunday. Uh, thank you very much for listening to our cool podcast. Matt, Matt's got one more thing, maybe. Who's our cheesehead of the week? Who's our cheesehead of the week? Um, is it Adrian Amos, or is it Cedarius uh, Smith? Is it Cedarius Smith? Uh, we'll do Adrian Amos. All right, I like Adrian Amos a lot. He's our cheesehead of the week. Go, Adrian. Adrian Amos, welcome to the Green Bay Packers. Adrian, uh, make sure to. Make sure to pick up your uh, your cheesehead from your local Packers Pro Shop. Or text you, me, I guess. Which you can find directly outside of where you work at Lambeau <laughs> Field. <laughs> Do they just issue a che- you a cheesehead when you sign yeah, the contract? Yeah, it's part of the uniform, actually. Yep. Is they give you a, a Lambeau Field polo and a cheesehead, and they say, wear khaki pants. That's what, they're, uh, that's what they're lining the new helmets with. Yeah. Oh, it's just spongy cheese. Yeah. All right, what the heck should people do? Just say cheesy, baby. All right. Football.